SAFM 104-107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Alright, we kick off today's conversation around healing plants with a plant that we started talking about last week. It was Stivia with Professor Nokwanda Nox Makunga, who's a professor of biotechnology at Stellenbosch University. She joins us now on the line again. Good afternoon, Prof. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me back. So we, we we were just about to start talking about stevia last week and then of course we ran out of time as it does happen. So let's, yes. let's kick it off again and, and just give us again just the uh, description of stevia. Uh, stevia is an interesting plant that actually comes from um, South America in Paraguay and, and other parts of uh, South America. And it has a very interesting set of compounds which are sweet. Hmm. And they are 300 to 400 times sweeter as compared to sugar. Wow. But what's really interesting is that they don't affect your uh, insulin uh, levels because they actually um, keep those insulin levels at the same rate. Hmm. So this is quite useful, especially for people who have um, diabetes type 2, and also these sugars or uh, terpenoid sugars mm-hmm. are, that are produced by stevia are actually compounds that are non-caloric. In wow. other words, you can use very small amounts of this particular set of chemicals mm. or even a stevia extract to make something sweet, but it doesn't affect your sugar metabolism and can also be used in a calorie-restricted diet. So in terms of it uh, being on the commercial space, uh, what what would it be called um, if you went to buy this at the shop? So there are several different products that are um, are made out of stevia, Mm -hmm. and they're usually just, you know, you know, would have the word stevia in them. Okay. Um, so, um, it would be like a sweetener. Would, would it yeah, be like so, a sweetener? So it's, it's basically a sweetener that is utilized um, or extracted from this plant. But then you can also get little drops mm-hmm. that, you know, you could use to sweeten something. And at the same time, you can get, you know, whole ground uh, material if you want to um, consume that as a tea, for mm. example. Uh-huh. Um, so, and many different products now are actually sweetened with um, stevia-derived mm-hmm. um, compounds. So, for, for someone who is worried about their health, it sounds fantastic that, you know, they're non-caloric, um, it doesn't affect your insulin. Are there any other side effects that we know of? Is there something to look out for? Not as far as we know. You know, this is um, a species that's been used as a traditional medicine and for sweetening um, for, you know, thousands of years by those that come from um, South America. Mm. And so in some ways, I think that's a really nice um, long-term human Mm. trial Mm. in terms of whether these uh, plants have got any cytotoxicity effect. The European uh, Union also did a massive study to try and understand any impact on human health. And as uh, as far as we understand, um, it's quite safe to actually take um, stevia products. They're gen- generally 
regarded as being safe. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So we can cross that. So, okay. So let us just say you are going to plant this now in your home. How would you then use it? Because I imagine that there is a lot of processing that actually gets us to a point where we see it as like a a sugary uh, product. When it's in a plant form, how would you then use it and consume it? So if you plant it at home, um, you know, getting some seed of the seedier plant is obviously a, a good idea. Mm. You can also get them as little seedlings from nurseries. There are suppliers um, that uh, supply um, stevia. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it belongs to the group of plants that are known as chrysanthemums. So it actually has a autumn, winter flowering uh, pattern. Mm-hmm. But they're actually quite easy. They do like a semi-tropical environment, so you have to give them a little bit of water. But we've had them in the garden at at my home, actually, uh, for quite a long time. Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes if I feel like just getting a little bit of a buzz, I go to the garden um, (laughs) when I'm at home in Alice and grab a little leaf and... And give myself a little bit of a, a, a shock because they are intensely sweet. <laughs> um, I love that. And, and they're actually quite fun, actually. <laughs> I love that. So it would be like a tea. You'd, you'd actually consume it like a tea or even yes. in cold water, like, in you know, a, that, a bit of a... Yeah, I mean, I think even if you chop it up very fine, you could yes. throw it in a little bit of a salad. Um, oh, nice. the, the, the leaves are very, very sweet. So... Um, you know, a like a fruit salad, whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the sound of this. I love the sound of that. Okay, so that's fantastic. Let's talk about healing gardens. What do you mean by healing gardens? In all honesty, all gardens have an element of being able to heal. Mm. And any time when we spend time in nature, this actually restores stores our souls um, because we are actually part of nature and connected to nature and actually seeing nature um, especially the color green has a sense of calming for us human beings and smelling plants touching them feeling them um, all gives us a sense of calm Mm. So healing gardens are actually defined as gardens that are able to be restorative um, in, in, in sort of physical and psychological aspects with regards to human health. Mm. And some elements of actually building a healing garden, this includes some rockery, a garden that actually is able to bring animal life into its space. Mm-hmm. So planting plants that will flower and attract pollinators and whether they be insects or, or birds mm-hmm. um, is, is very important. And then um, having water in the garden, if you can, where it's actually trickling and running soft, that is calming. And... Um, and just a space where you can have time to just sit, meditate, and take it all in. These are all elements of a good healing garden. Okay. And in my, excuse me, in my particular instance, I then also like to include a few medicinal plants, which I can then also not only enjoy aesthetically when they're mm. growing, but mm-hmm. then also be able to bring them 
into the kitchen and enjoy them. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break and I'm going to ask people to start dialing in with their questions, Prof, if you don't mind. 011-714-2006. You can also send your WhatsApp notes on 0614-104-107. Any questions related to your plants and healing Plants mm-hmm. and healing. That's what we're talking about today. So start dialing in and she'll take all your questions. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM. 105FM in Mokopane. Okay, we're discussing uh, plants, healing plants. We started off with a conversation around stevia plant. And uh, Professor Nokwanda Makunga is a professor of biotechnology at Stellenbosch University. And then we moved on to a healing garden. We spoke about little elements that can help you establish a healing garden, bringing life back into the garden, rockery, water, running water, and some medicinal plants. So, Prof. If you are starting from scratch, I mean, give me your top three plants that you would perhaps begin the garden with. Oh, my goodness. This is a really tough one for me because I <laughs> You've love got to pick so and choose. and I never have favorites. Yes. Um, but I'm going to mention some of the ones that I'm actually working on, which I think are really easy to grow. Mm-hmm. So um, salvia, which are sages. These okay. are South African sages. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to sound quite complicated now because I'm going to say it in Latin. Yeah. But um, the one that I really love is Salvia Africana Carula, which is the brown dune sage. Okay. This species um, is very aromatic. Birds will come into the garden and once in a while it will pop up these beautiful dusty orange colors. Um, and Some of the wonderful tricks that you can do with this species is that when you're walking in your garden, you can basically grab the species, crush it, smell it, and it is so aromatic and Mm. so beautiful and very relaxing. I, for example, suffer from sinus, so I often grab some of this, Mm -hmm. pop it in my pillow, I sleep over it, and in the morning, my sinus feels a lot better. So I I really do love that one. It's easy growing, and, um, and, and I'm sure, you know, uh, people would enjoy this. Okay. Um, Does it need a lot of water? No. It's a South African endemic and it grows quite widely in South Africa, um, especially in water scarce areas, so it doesn't need oh, a lot of water. Oh, excellent. Would it be a plant that needs shade? What kind of area would you allocate to it? Um, it's it's water-wise. It's able to handle um, sunlight, the sun. Direct you sun. know, it, it, it's... Um, it, Sometimes you actually even find it on uh, duny um, areas along the beach. Mm. So it really doesn't um, need a lot of water. Oh, fantastic. Okay, let me just, let's take one pause. I know we're going to go into the others. There is a question from a voice note. Let's go there. Good afternoon, Pimelo. Um, great show. I just want to ask, which plants as women we can be able to drink in order to you know our our whole uh, reproductive system like during the periods uh, cleaning of the womb you know because i mean let's face it uh, sister not everybody can afford to go to a gyno and we know our hospitals mm, i don't even want to go there so if your guest can be able to tell us and preferably uh, plants which don't have you know 
side effects and stuff like that because and also let her touch on the contraindications like for instance those people who are taking i don't know diabetes or arv something like that just in detail thank you oh i love love that question prof um some hormone replacement type plants um there are lots of plants that you can do um that you can drink that are actually good um for females especially that have got high levels of uh, plant estrogens, mm-hmm. um, rooibos being one of them. Mm. Um, honeybush as as well is is one of those particular species. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole suite of different um, other plants, uh, plants like bitterbos, mm-hmm. um, um, plants like buchua, very good blood cleansers, mm-hmm. um, very strong diuretics. But we have to be quite careful as well when we're taking medicinal plants because they can be contraindications. Mm with other other medicines and Mm. so when you are on um, other types of medications and you want to start taking a whole bunch of herbal medicines this is a really good idea to run this past the person that would have actually prescribed to you the other medications that you're actually on and I emphasize on this because Sutherlandia frutescens which is cancer bush Mm -hmm. Um, for a long time, it was being utilized as an anti-HIV um, a remedy, mm-hmm. but uh, recent studies have actually shown that it can interfere with antiretroviral drugs. Mm. And so uh, one has to be really careful and not take too many different things mm-hmm. um, from different medical practices because this can lead to contraindications mm. and cell-based uh, toxicity effects. Hmm. Okay, so we now know that the cancer bush was not quite the one if you are on ARVs. What would you then uh, suggest a person would take to supplement their immune system when they are on ARVs? I think good nutrition is um, is very important. Sticking to your ARV regime, which unfortunately some people fall off mm. because as they feel better, then they go off. Um, exercise, you know, all the things that keep good health mm. are just as important. Um, I would say I'm not a medical doctor, mm. so I'm yeah. I'm coming um, with this from um, just from a, a perspective of understanding how one needs to have a holistically healthy lifestyle mm. in order um, to you know to keep up with a a regime that will actually allow for longer life. Yeah. And in fact, any other chronic medication needs to be taken essentially in similar ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to then our garden. We started <laughs> with sages. We started with the brown jewel sage. And then uh, let's add another plant. Um, okay. Um, I'm adding another plant. Um, I do also love any pelagoniums i love the aromatic plants um pelagoniums they're from the geranium family we've got a wide diversity of these in south africa they can be found in just about every part of south africa so any south african pelagoniums are great again water wise easy to grow and we have so much diversity in terms of colors size of colors I really adore them. They're, again, very aromatic. 
and often um, the tubers of um, the pelagonium species can be used for a variety of different ailments. Mm. So I would say any pelagoniums um, are are definitely a must in my garden. And um, my last group of these... Will you you give us, I mean, just to say, you said they could be used for a variety of ailments, just an example of of one. Um, Respiratory ailments, for Mm. example. Uh, These are very uh, good for that. Um, Upper respiratory tract um, ailments, mm-hmm. um, pelagoniums are, are great for that. Okay, fantastic. And and what you'd mix it with water? Would it be like a again a tea sort of thing? Yes, you, yep, absolutely. You can make a tea. Um, and if you are being adventurous, you mm-hmm. could even use maybe um, you know a little bottle of vodka, <laughs> and you add the leaves there to actually extract those um, bioactive I- compounds. And then you don't drink it all, all of the vodka on one day. <laughs> you actually take it like a medicine and don't drink it all on one day. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, it's just so that they have heard it. You didn't say they must drink the entire bottle of one day. Okay, no problem. We heard that. We heard that. And then the last, the last, um, the last plant for us for today. Um, the last one I'm going with uh, bulbinella or bulbine. Yes. Um, these plants are, again, are water-wise. They're succulents. Um, I think they're quite pretty because they've got these pretty little yellow flowers, sometimes orange, beautiful for burns. Um, I, I often, if I'm cooking and I unfortunately burn myself, the first thing I do is go outside, grab a little bit of those um, leaves, which have got a gel, a very soothing gel, and then I and I rub that on my skin. Ah. Um, I know that um, they are also used for men's problems, um, and that the roots are actually uh, used in that particular way. But they're beautiful for sunburn, mm. excellent for the for the skin, and um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, drink the leaves, but I would actually apply that as a dermal. Um, remedy. Then, then how would the the men consume it then? Um, from what I understand, um, the roots are oh, it's the root, yes, are, okay, are, are, are effective, and then you would um, drink that. Would you? Okay, so um, you would maybe as, just as boil the roots. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'd boil the roots. Okay, now this, uh, but but in terms of the leaves, it's the it's the gel that we're looking for for a burn. Yeah, similarly to the way that you use aloes. Mm-hmm. You, you, you made mention of it being somewhat of a sunscreen. How would you apply that? Um, so I, it, I think it's good for if you have like a sunburn, ah, um, mainly. Um, so that's, that's something that would be really good if you're feeling like your, your, your skin's got yeah. a bit of a sunburn. Yeah. Again, it cools it down and just allows it to be able to recover. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Okay, we're quickly going to take one call, 011-714-206, and then also we're going to be taking your voice notes on 0614-104-1074, um, just maybe the last uh, few minutes that we've got there. Let's go to the voice note. Okay, we've got a problem there, Prof. Um, so, Prof, let's just round it up with, with regards to being able to inter... Um, 
you know, to integrate all of this in, in biodiversity, as we know, it's something that we all have to be conscious of at the moment. How would you assist us in that? Um, excuse me? I was saying with regards to biodiversity, which we all now have to be very uh, aware of, how would you assist us in, in all the things that we're doing in making sure that we do have a balanced biodiversity uh, garden, for instance, or spaces? Um, I think it's really important to take plants that come from different parts and families and um, and, and kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, so I go with bulbs, I go with plants that give me foliage, I would go with uh, plants that are succulents and, and, and you know, to get a, a balanced um, ecosystem. Um, that is basically uh, my approach. Um, and any rare plants that you think um, might be going getting extinct are also good to to grow in your gardens so that we can keep that germplasm alive. Um, so so that, that's generally my, my approach. And plants that make you feel good. I think it's important that people need to grow plants that bring happiness to themselves. Mm. Here's a quick one from Wendy in KZN. She says, thank you for the... Okay. Please ask the professor to explain about rewilding ponds and to explain the indicator species in a healthy garden. I think it's time to tell people that what we learned in the past was totally wrong. Pesticides and exotic invasive plants, etc. Would you like to elaborate on that? Um, so, yes, of course. Um, um you know, there's a massive movement at the moment to grow um, indigenous and local plants because they are well adapted to our environments. And if you have a diversity of different plant species in your garden, so if you mix aromatic plants with non-aromatics, for example, the aromatics will actually chase away the pests. Mm. So a, a healthy um ecosystem in the garden actually feeds the garden and actually brings it, a, um, you know, a bit better health. Plants actually communicate with each other. And even um, in that particular way, I think it's, um, it's important that we, we, we try and grow plants that are local uh, that are well adapted for the South African environment because then it saves us buying, you know, mm. um, nutrients for them because they know how to live here. Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly go to one last voice note before we wrap it up. Hi, Pamela and Prof. Thank you for a great show. Um, I have a problem with my son's skin. He's just turned three. And he has been diagnosed with eczema from basically birth. But now I have a problem with the fact that he sometimes has this itchy thin rush that appears on his neck and around his stomach area when it's hot. What kind of natural herb or medicinal plant can I use in, su- in substitute for medicine? Because, Shem, yeah. the poor thing has been using medication mm. 
for as long as I can remember. So I'll really appreciate a natural mm. remedy. Oh, man. Thank okay. you. This is Makadi in Lady Brent, but currently I'm in Lesotho. Thank you very much. Lovely question, Prof. Great. Uh, my, my number one uh, eczema treatment is a species called Kigelia africana or the sausage tree. And the fruit of that species is actually utilized to make, um, you know, you can make an extract and then rub it on, 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 on the skin. It, it's excellent. It's really, really wonderful. But also uh, bathing in rooibos, for example, um, is also pretty soothing for the skin. So if you throw the rooibos in your bath water, um, it actually can help. Okay, I want you to spell it out for for our uh, caller there, so that they know exactly what to get um, when they go to the nursery. Um, K I G E L L I A. So Kigelia, okay. mm-hmm. but we call it the sausage tree okay. because the, the the fruit actually looks like a sausage. Okay, and 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 you said how would they apply it on the on the baby on the child? Um, there are even products that are made out of Kigelia africana, so oh. that's one way of getting a natural product that's okay. made out of it. But um, if you if you can get hold of the fruit itself, yeah. um, you dry it, and okay. then you make a tea, and you leave that to cool, okay. and then that extract can actually go um, on the baby. So, so would you bath the child in the, a bath? That has yeah. that, you yes. say? Yeah, you can. Okay. You can bath the baby in it, something like that, but mm-hmm. then also you can actually apply it. Okay. It's just that it makes a dark colored extract, so it doesn't always look mm, nice. I get, I get you. So people get, you know, um, they like their creams mm. to look white, mm. so then. So that can be off-putting for some people, but I don't really mind it. Mm. It's been excellent talking to you. Thank you so much. We will definitely be asking you to come back. Thank you very much. It's been very helpful. Great. Thank you. Prof, Wonderful. Thank you. Prof Nokwanda Makunga is a professor of biotechnology at Stellenbosch University, and that will be available as a podcast. Two o'clock, let's go to Jolana Tulo for the very latest in SABC News.